3: Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you subscribe to the show, thank you. If you don't, make sure you subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Also, a hearty hello to our listeners on The Bet in Las Vegas. That's right, on the radio in Las Vegas with our Odyssey station there. So thank you guys for joining us. It is one of our final shows before the draft, and to do that and to talk about the draft, the Raiders clearly... First round draft pick, number seven overall. And I bring in my broadcast partner as always. He's a national NFL writer at Bleach Report. That is my good friend Mo Moton. Mo, here we go. We have one of your colleagues on tonight to talk about the draft, talk about what the Raiders might be up to and what's going on. Of course, yesterday, finally, the world can sit and sleep well tonight, knowing that Aaron Rodgers has finally been traded. Uh, and so now we 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 can get past that national nightmare. And get on to the draft.
4: Here in New York, New Jersey, that it's finally done. People were starting to get nervous. There were rumors that the 49ers might jump in because of their quarterback situation. But I, I didn't buy into the 49ers rumors. I just knew it was probably just a matter of time. Joe Douglas promised that Aaron Rodgers on his way. He <laughs> delivered on that promise.
3: Joe Douglas promised. There you go. All right. So now we're going to get right to it. Uh, our guest tonight is Matt Holder from Bleacher Report. His life for the last, I don't know how many months, Matt, has been all nothing but player evaluation and the draft. It's almost over. And then you get to evaluate how everybody did but you can follow Matt, by the way, on Twitter at mholder95. Kitch's work also up on Silver and Black Pride. Thanks for being with us tonight, buddy.
2: I mean, it definitely has uh, been a long process, and I am—I don't think anybody's more excited for Thursday to come and go, uh, or this whole weekend, <laughs> I guess, to come and go. Than I am. It's been—it's been a long process, but I'm excited.
3: I know. Obviously, since I host a show with Mo, Mo multiple times a week, I know what his schedule is. And then he was talking, we talked about having you on the show months ago and Mo kept saying, yeah, okay, let's get him at the, at the very end when he's got all his work done and he's just kind of waiting until it happens. So we wanted to do that. And we certainly appreciate you being here.
4: Scott, Go ahead, Mo. My, Matt's work is never done. They're they're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to be looking at 2024 draft process right after. So they're, they're just nonstop marathon. I know.
3: I I always appreciate those. Like after the draft is over that, that first round of stories that hits the next morning saying, okay, let's look at 24. So (laughs) Yes. yes,
2: So to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what we got going on at Bleacher Report, I, to Mo's point, I'm actually writing the 2024 mock draft the day after. Uh, this so yeah, exactly, this is, it just never stops. But yeah, I, I'm at least excited to talk about some different guys next year. But no, good, to, good to talk about the guys we got going on 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 Thursday too. Yes,
3: yeah, so and we're gonna get into the Raiders, uh, and and Matt also too. You can see he's wearing an Oakland shirt. Matt is, even though he's a objective journalist when he's covering these issues, he's a Raiders fan. So let's just get that out there. So I know all of our listeners will want to to follow you now, too, because you're part of the nation there. But let's start macro here for a second, Matt, when I ask you this question first to start it off, is this NFL draft, of course, when there's quarterbacks, they take a lot of the steam out of the room because everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. There's a couple great ones, or at least could be great in this class. Then it kind of falls off a little bit. They have Anthony Richardson, a raw talent who could be great. All that stuff happening. But if you had to sum up... The 2023 NFL draft in its totality, with a couple words, what would they be?
2: With a couple words, I can give you one, and I think it'll do it pretty well, which is project. I think there's mm. a lot of guys that are projects, a lot of guys that, you know, if you look at this class as a whole, I, you know, I released a, a top 20 or top 32, excuse me, big board for Bleacher Report, and only two guys were on it, and those two were Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. They were pretty high because they're pretty good players, but again, you know, only two out of compared to like, I think the 2021 class had about 10, 10 guys on, excuse me. And I think at every position, there are a lot of guys who you say, I really like this guy, but you know, he's got this <laughs> thing or he's got to develop. He's got it there. It's a bunch of edge rushers who I can think of off the top of my head, like BJ Ozolari, Will McDonald, that, you know, they need to get bigger against the run. And the same thing with the other way around with guys that are good run defenders um, and not quite good pass rushers and that, that need to develop. And then, of course, there's Anthony Richardson, Richardson, too, who's kind of the big enigma in this whole draft class that uh, has everyone split, who, and the reason for that being is because he's such a project, because he's not a finished uh, finished product by any means. So I think if I had to choose one word even even to describe this whole draft class, it would be project.
4: Now, I got a lightning rod Anthony Richardson question for you, Leah. I prepared you for that, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning of this process, and I know you were at the Combine, so I want to get your... Your expertise in what you saw with your own eyes, on eyes, because it's different when you get up close and see these prospects versus watching from a laptop, from a from a tablet, watching their film. You get to see how big they are, you get to see how they move, things of that nature. So, were there any prospects that you saw with your own eyes at the combine that fit what the Raiders are trying to do or going to do in twenty twenty
2: three? I think one of the first guys that like stood out the most was definitely going to be, was definitely Tyree Wilson. One, because when he stretched out his arms to show off his arm length, (laughs) it was longer (laughs) than the podium that he was standing at. So (laughs) that was one of the first biggest takeaways is uh, just seeing how long those guys, that guy's arms are in general. And then two, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, being able to compare guys, you know, side by side and size wise, is Anthony Richardson, even compared to like a Will Levis, who's a little bit bigger. And obviously we know CJ Stroud's a little bit skinnier. And then there's Bryce Young, who's the, the, big anomaly and all that stuff but seeing him compared to everyone else inside being that side by side where you're like okay yeah this guy is built a little bit different this guy is very clearly the most physically gifted uh physically gifted quarterback in this drive class um and i think those were two my two biggest takeaways just from seeing those guys that and i i was talking about this after the combine as much but darnell washington's neck which i'm still i still need to get the read <laughs> on i still think it's like 30 inches something like that <laughs>
3: That's crazy. Well, obviously, Matt, the the Raiders have, uh, as as Mo and I have talked about over the last couple of weeks, the Raiders have a a long list of things that they need. If you look at up the middle on defense, yep, everything, they need everything there. They still need cornerback help. They need offensive line help. When you look at that shopping list and you look at what this team has to do to start to even be able to compete in the AFC West with what's happening there and, and the top two teams, I guess at this point you'd call the Chiefs and the Chargers, um, can they, first of all, can they address enough of those needs this season to get them in a, in a in a position where they could at least after maybe this one year of rebuilding, catapult themselves into being a fide playoff team in the near future?
2: Yeah, I definitely think, you know, the, the last part of your question there where you're talking about maybe looking into uh, a few years down the road, I definitely think, um, or a year down the road, I definitely think they could be in a position to compete. Um, one of the biggest things is they've got to get pass rushers. Like, kind of like what you talked about both interior and exterior. Um, you know, hopefully the hope is that, uh, Chandler Jones will find the fountain, of youth this year and, and get back <laughs> to his, you know, his normal 10 sack self, but even if he isn't, or even if he does, he's still, you know, what, 33, 34 years old at that point going into next year. And they could use, you know, one of those developmental guys that I was talking about that, the, um, uh, that could take over once he retires. And of course got to get some pass rush up in the middle. That was something that's been lacking for I feel like a few years now with the Raiders. So I definitely think, you know, if they can get two guys like that in a division with Justin Herbert in a division with Patrick Mahomes and who knows how well well Russell Wilson can do with the different coaching staff. I definitely think those are, you know, things that the Raiders need to do is be able to find ways to affect the passing game defensively and get after the quarterback specifically. And if they can draft the right guys, if they can get, you know, maybe, maybe a Tyree Wilson in the first round or, uh, Keon White maybe as a, as a three-technique defensive tackle mm-hmm. in the second or something like that against another guy that's a project, then that's going to start to help them build out the, their defense to be able to compete and hopefully at least slow down some of these high-powered offenses in the AFC West. So let's fast forward to today, right? Well, the current, right? We're in the week of the draft,
4: and it's just there are rumors that came out at the beginning of the week that the Raiders are tied to Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Now, I believe that pick caused a lot of uh, discussion within the recognition on on social media. Some people like the pick. Some people are okay with the pick. Some people hate the pick. I'm one of the people that think it could be a mistake, and I'm not saying that because I think Skronsky is going to be a bust, but I think that at seven, even if you're not going to start him at tackle because of his short arms and you're going to move him inside, I don't think it's great value to get a guard at seven. that's just my opinion what what do you think of those rumors and what would you how would you feel if the Raiders picked Skaranski Skaranski at seven
2: I'm right there with you Mo uh uh, with Skaranski at seven and and basically the same logic like I've kind of talked about this on tape don't lie with with Marcus Johnson is Skaranski is a great player I think Skaranski could probably be a good pro even if they they pick him at seven but it's kind of like getting socks for Christmas when you you wanted an xbox or something like that (laughs) it's like yeah you get this solid player yeah he's probably gonna be you know a starter for at least the rookie contract maybe even earn a second contract but when you look at the top 10 especially if there is going to be a run on quarterbacks where a lot of these really good defensive players are going to be available it definitely feels like you're leaving meat on the bone and the guards that i like are guys like steve Avilia who would be available in the second round who i think could come in and be an immediate starter and there are a few guys like that on the interior that i think you can find on day two that can be a bigger help and then with skaronski you know, I can't say I have dove too much into his game, but talking with Brandon Thorne, um, who's on our team over at Bleacher Report, is he views him as more of a guard and um, his projection. And Brandon's obviously someone who I, I respect quite a bit in the industry, and I think a lot of people do too. So, again, it's kind of like you, you can't hate the pick because you can never have too many offensive linemen, but at the same time you kind of can hate the pick because it was a top 10 pick that you're spending on a guy that is going to play a, least, or a lesser value position. And I think another position, too, there, again, you know, you could probably could have gotten a quality starter and a year one starter in the uh, beginning of round two.
3: So, Matt, here, let me ask you this. So we're going to stick with this number seven pick, if that's where indeed the Raiders stay and pick. Uh, (laughs) You probably know from talking to Mo, being a colleague of his, and and I'm there with him. We are all aboard the Devin Witherspoon train, if he is there. (laughs) But my question is not on Devin Witherspoon. My question is on Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter's there at seven and you're the Raiders, do you pass on him? I mean, knowing, listen, they need the cornerback, but that—that that, we just talked about what they need to do on the defensive front. Can you pass up a talent like that at number seven if he's there?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I've gotten this question. It feels like uh, almost at least once, maybe probably twice a week for the last uh, month or so since the Combine's <laughs> happened. And, it's, and, and my answer has kind of been the same this whole time as um part of the issues with Jalen Carter, i think just from an optics perspective it is it is a little close to the the henry Rugg situation and that's not mm-hmm. i know it's different situations but not a great pr move by the raiders if they were going to do that and i could see you know a situation where i know mark davis is hands off but he might step in and say guys can we get someone else can we get one of these <laughs> top corners like devin witherspoon who's you know doesn't have a, a track record quite like Jalen carter's um and i've kind of come to the conclusion of the, with Jalen Carter, you know, obviously he got his legal issue uh, resolved, and I don't know if you guys saw the body cam video, but it does seem like you know he at least, in a bad situation, did the right thing of sticking around. Didn't he? Didn't appear intoxicated? In my uh, from what I saw, which I know some people irresponsibly reported and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think you know that situation is taken care of. Almost the bigger situation, which is kind of hate to admit it, a little bit, from a certain standpoint, is him showing up out of shape to his his pro day because obviously that's a big job interview and he flunked it like there's no getting around it <laughs> right and obviously he had a lot of stuff going on but which I think can explain you know what could happen and I think you could justify it because obviously he had things that were a little bit more important than uh than working out and what than uh figuring all that stuff out so I've kind of come to the point with Jalen Carter where if he's there and the Raiders take him I'll be happy with it because obviously they're getting a stud and that would tell me or at least lead me to believe that those interviews that he had with uh, Dave Ziegler, with Josh McDaniels and with the Raiders brass went well and he was able to explain it away and they don't have any concerns with them. And at the same time, if he's there and they pass, they're not going to be okay with that too, because again, he comes with a long background. They did their homework on, on him. We know they had him in for a top 30 visit. And at least they've went through those steps to kind of cross him off the list in that regard to maybe where he didn't, uh, he didn't quite interview well, or they didn't quite like his answers. So it's kind of at a, a situation where, you know, obviously you want to have the great player, but I, I wouldn't hate them passing or, or whatever they end up deciding to do, because those interviews are the biggest part of, of Jalen Carter's oh, yeah. evaluation at this point. And that's something that, you know, we'll probably never have a, 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 an idea of what would exactly happen until, or at least not for a few years until someone leaks it at some point.
4: Bleacher Report guys sticking together in their thinking process. I, <laughs> I basically said the same thing as Matt on the show, that if nice. the Raiders take him, it means that Jalen convinced him of, you know, maybe some preconceived notions, talked him off the ledge, maybe cleared up some things that they thought. If they pass on him, that means that they still feel there's some red flags there and I'm okay either way. But I want to move on to a more fun topic and question. And I think it it's fun because of how Scott and I feel about these two prospects. But I'll ask you the question. It, if the Raiders... Which, if you're the GM, Dane Ziegler, and you had a chance to get Anthony Richardson at seven or Hendon Hooker in the second round, knowing that you can get both prospects, what would you do if you wanted a quarterback and you had to choose one scenario?
2: Well, Mo, no, I think I'm going to be on your side again, uh, on this one again because I am a big <laughs> Anthony Richardson fan. And he's going to be a tight He's
3: going to be a tight end He's going to be tight
2: end. I don't know. I don't know. He's got, I don't know about that one. But uh, <laughs> the one thing, I, and, I was going to say, I'm a big Anthony Richardson fan. I'm also not a fan of, of Hendon Hooker. So that's kind of an easier question for me. Um, you know, I think on our BR big board, he's got like a sixth round grade, something like that. It's definitely low down there. Um, the biggest thing with me with Hendon Hooker is he's 25 years old, was a one year wonder, only really started one year, I think, or started a little bit at Virginia Tech too, but was really, really only good for this, one, well, this past season in an offense that doesn't translate to a lot of success in the NFL. And he's 25 years old coming off a torn ACL. Where at least with Anthony Richardson, yes, he's a one-year wonder too. And this last year wasn't nearly as good with, uh, with, uh, as Hendon Hookers was. Anthony Richardson is also 20 years old. Like, I can work with that and not coming off an injury. Like, I can work with a guy like that. And I think one thing that's underrated about Anthony Richardson's development is this past year, Florida got a brand-new coaching staff. So he had to learn a new system, probably had to learn a little bit more new techniques and all that stuff too. So I think where a lot of the stuff that you can get knock on him or, you know his mechanics, I think that was easy for him to for it, to slide a little bit when he's got to learn a new playbook, learn a new coaching staff, and all this goods and all that stuff, and as well as you know take over as his first year as a starter. So to me, that almost gives him a little bit more ceiling. Where you know you can go to a situation like Las Vegas where he doesn't have to play right away. They have Brian Hoyer, even if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, so where Anthony Richardson doesn't have to get thrown into the fire and lose some confidence. Where I kind of like that structure for him, where he again he can sit and develop, he can learn. He can pick up the playbook and then next year have the same, hopefully, have the same one um, as he did before, which he didn't have this past year at Florida.
3: Okay. But the important question is would you eat warm potato salad? <laughs> never,
2: never. Okay. Never. See, okay. So I'm, I'm working so,
3: on Mo, that with Matt. I'm working, Mo, we're, on that. One, we're, we're even one a piece. Um, but. Go. Matt, before we let you go, buddy, and we certainly appreciate you spending all this time with us, uh, but when you look at this Raiders draft, you know, Mo said it um, on our last show, I believe it was. He said, listen, it'll be a good draft that the Raiders get two starters out of this, maybe a third or even a fourth starter, or at the very worst, you get two two great first-line starters and a third and a fourth guy who are rotation guys that can develop maybe into starters in the future. When you look at that, not only in your position and evaluating all of this talent, but also as a fan, what's this, what should Raider fans and Raider Nation walk away from this draft saying, hey, that was a good draft for us?
2: I mean, I think I'd probably have to up it one more and go with three starters. I think with 12 picks, um, especially after getting that extra one for, for Darren Waller, what is that? Five in the, is that five that they have in the top 100, or is it just four? four uh, for just four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think with that, I think they need to get three starters. I think like you look at defensively, you probably need nine to 10 starters outside of Max Crosby. And I think, um, you know, when we look at how much resources they have with this draft class and uh, you know who knows, they may even pick up more by trade more picks by trading back uh, on Thursday night too. I think the Raiders realistically need to walk away with about three starters, which is going to be tough to do, but uh, in any draft class, but again, they've got the resources to be able to do it. I, I feel like we're going to, we're going to see them move one direction or another, where at some point on on one of the first two nights and maybe pick up some, uh, extra top 100 picks. And yeah, I feel like through those, uh, through those four top 100 and probably the first four rounds, you probably got to get at least like three starters. hopefully get one in the, in the later rounds that, uh, ends up surprising you.
3: Well, good. So, so now tell us, Mo, we got to get them to, to tell us seven, are they going to trade down or are they going to take a pick there?
2: I think I get the feeling that they're going to end up trading down, especially with the quarterback craziness that's been going on. Like mm-hmm. if Tyree Wilson's not available and Will Anderson's not available, which I think we all kind of assume, but especially if, you know, uh, those two go- guys go in the top five, I get the feeling we're going to get a bit of a trade back. So that maybe one of those quarterbacks slides a seven. I think Peter King today wrote a column that said, uh, there's a chance Stroud falls out of the top seven, which I'm assuming means the Raiders would pass on him. So if the Raiders are going to pass on him. Might as well trade it back for someone that wants to move up and get them so yeah, yeah I, I feel like I feel like we're in the the I feel like that we're we're headed for some movement and move, movement backwards
3: Nice. okay so Matt before you go make sure tell everybody where they can find your work and how they can connect with you
2: yeah so just follow me on Twitter you can find everything I post everything on there Adam holder 95 um, up on silver uh, all the Raiders stuff going up over there, and then doing some NFL draft work with Bleacher Report, like Mo had mentioned. Like got my, my uh, top thirty-two big board of the last years. Got some sl- uh, landing spots for sleeper running backs, and uh, coming up soon, gonna have um, you know five teams who might be surprises. Not so ah. not the Raiders, but uh, to trade up for a quarterback. <laughs> nice. Not, quite, not going off with the conventional and, and uh, trying to find some other teams that might be uh, in the market with this craziness.
3: Well, Matt, listen, man, I, I, I congratulate you. I've, I've watched you kind of ascend and what you've done, the great work you've done over the last couple of years, as all Raider fans have done as well. And of course, they root for you because you're one of them. And so, uh, congratulations on all the success and continued success ahead.
2: Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys for having me on.
3: All right. There you go. Matt Holder from Bleacher Report, Silver and Black Pride as well. You can catch him there, uh, too. So, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Mo and I roll on here on a Tuesday before the NFL Draft. It is silver and black today. We'll be back right after these words.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like,
3: Welcome back. Silver and Black today rolls on an Odyssey original podcast. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do it wherever you get your audio. Again, another thank you to Matt Holder from Bleacher Report and also to my co-host, Mo Moten, who had to run as well. They're all on deadline for the draft, so Mo had to cut out a little bit early. And joining me now is my producer, David Stepanian. Live from Las Vegas with us here today. So, David, listen, you heard what Matt had to say about the draft, particularly when it comes to the macro draft. When we talk about overall looking at the 2023 slate of players coming out of college uh, available to the Raiders, and he said projects. I think, I think that's true. Obviously, a cornerback, it's not true. Cornerback, it's the deepest cornerback draft. In probably the last 12 years but in other spots like quarterback other spots like linebacker not as strong uh what did you think of what matt had to say there in his take Do you agree with all of it
5: yeah it's really funny that you mentioned it scott because just out of curiosity i pulled up my sports book app and i was looking at who are the raiders what position are they most likely to pick um quarterbacks was actually number one at plus 125 yeah uh <laughs> Yep. So so it was really funny that he was mentioning that, but yeah, just looking at how this, it, it's look, we're just kind of throwing darts here. None of us know what's going to
3: Kind of, yeah, uh, it's all Thursday.
5: Because you look at how, yeah, two weeks ago I would have told you CJ Stroud is going number one and now it's, it's Bryce Young. There's just no way to know what's going to go down Thursday. We're just doing our best to guess at it. But yeah, I think if you look at it, the odds makers are saying the same thing. Raiders are going to go corner.
3: Yeah, I, I listen and, and you it makes sense and you talk about it being guests. You talk about C.J. Stroud, which I, I still like C.J. Stroud. And if the Raiders had a chance to get him, I'd be OK with that. I don't think they will. But you had Peter King write uh, just this week that C.J. Stroud might fall past seven. It, it goes to show you going in, nobody knows what's going on. I'm mean, clearly Somebody like Peter King's well-connected, but but not that connected. These guys, these GMs, the people in the Raiders front office, all of these folks, they're not going to give you their plan. They're not going to tell you what their scenarios are. And if C.J. Stroud's there at seven, do they take him? Do they trade down, let someone else take him, and then get what they really want and pick up some more picks? Because Lord knows this team needs a lot of players to help it get where it wants to go. So for, from my perspective, yes, that's what I like about where it's going. The Raiders need a lot, David. They need they need we talked about it. They need all throughout the middle of the defense. They need cornerbacks. They need some more offensive line help. They even need tight end help they can get later in the draft with a younger player. But the the the, the point here is the Raiders don't have to be cute. They can stay where they're at and get the players they need. Or if they can trade down in the first round, let's say into the teens, not too low, they might still be able to get an impact cornerback like a Jory Porter Jr. If the Gonzalez's and um, um, the the Witherspoon's are gone. So the Raiders, I think they just don't, they should not try to get too cute. Don't try to outsmart the room. Do what you can to get the best value. Get guys on the roster. Get those rookie contracts in there. And let's start turning this team around.
5: Yeah, and going back to what Matt said in the last segment, um, I really liked your conversation about how many starters are the Raiders gonna get out of this draft. And I think three is a lucky is kind of a lucky number. I would be very happy if they could get three. I think two is maybe a little more likely. But you know, the draft is always really hard to nail down. And if the Raiders can get a couple of great quality guys who could um, start for the next few years. I think they'll be happy with that. Um, this draft, like Matt said, a lot of, a lot of projects and, um, it's going to be tough to nail down. I can't imagine what's going on in that war room on Thursday. <laughs> uh, it kind of would be interesting to be a fly on the wall there. Um, but oh, again, nice. it's just such a tough thing to nail down.
3: Yeah. And, and again, I think you, you have to look at, this whole thing, as, as, a, as you see in the graphic there, as, as chess, not checkers, right? Because, of course, Raider fans, Raider Nation wants their team to be good as quickly as it can. And, and the Raiders do need to make progress here, right? This coaching staff... This GM, even though he's only in his second year, they've got to make a lot of movement in the right direction, okay? You can't stay stagnant or be in a rebuild for multiple years, especially now today's NFL, where you could build pretty quickly. And the Raiders have an offensive core. I mean, you look at Devontae Adams. You look at Josh Jacobs, at least for this year. You look at now Jimmy Garoppolo. These guys that they brought in, they have the tools on offense to get it done. They need to improve that defense while also bolstering that offense. So to me, it's all about this year and next. I know fans, again, want it all this year, but the draft next year is significantly better. The Raiders, even if they improve over last year, would still be in a good position in the middle of the first round to get some good players. So I think that's the thing, Raider fans, I know they're tired. David, you've been a Raider fan your entire life. They're tired hearing the word patience, but I think you need just a little more.
5: Yeah, it's it's certainly been a long couple of decades uh, for <laughs> being a Raider fan. Thanks for reminding me, Scott. Yeah, not only but, that, uh, hey,
3: listen, I get I get I get guys my age and older who say, Two decades? What are you talking about?
5: <laughs> it's yeah, been longer were, than that. I mean, well, before us, there were Cubs fans who didn't win a World Series for like a hundred years. So
3: right. at least Yeah, you don't bad. want that.
5: At least it's not that bad. But yeah, I mean what you're saying about next year's draft is true. Um, And if the team does improve, they get a better win-loss record. They're not going to have as good of a draft draft position next season. And I think a lot of that will depend on Jimmy G's health. If he gets injured, yeah, we have Brian Hoyer at backup, but that was more of a Josh McDaniels, New England type of deal. Um, If they can get, I don't see C.J. Stroud falling to number seven. I don't know if there's going to be a QB at number seven on the board, but I still think if you get a shot at a QB, I think – uh, drafting one of those guys will be in a great position to back up Jimmy G.
3: Yeah, and and listen, they need to get a third quarterback on the roster, and no, it's not Chase Garbers. So, so they'll, they'll look to do something. I think they'll look to a young guy later in the draft, perhaps. Uh, as a developmental project, see if he can make the roster. If he makes the roster, then he's inactive and he's the third quarterback. So uh, it's important, though. I think you're right because because of the history of Garoppolo, they need to do that. But I think when you go into the draft on Thursday, oh by the way, just a reminder: Thursday morning we'll have a special episode to be available for you. Just a little quick draft preview from Mo and I, and then Thursday night, of course, I will be live with Brian Baldinger and Jason LaCanfora on the Odyssey Live. Draft Report. I will be right on as the Raiders select number seven, if they still select number seven, if not wherever they select in the first round. Um, I'll be joining them live uh, there. You can catch it on the Odyssey app or you can catch it on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Mo will be live on the Bleacher Report app starting at the top of the draft until the Raiders pick as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Just a reminder of all the content coming up. But um, I think, you know, fans overall, I think Raider fans were feeling not very excited about the draft. But as we move into these final days before it happens, David, I I feel a little bit of a turnaround. I think a lot of Raider Nation is starting to realize, okay, we're going to get some young talent here. And even if they don't like Josh McDaniels, they feel good about the talent available when the Raiders pick and that the Raiders, for once, maybe in the last few years, don't mess up that first round draft pick.
5: Yeah, I think this is a great year. I, I'm just looking at the odds again because there's just so much talent here in, in, the, in the first round. I really feel like whoever they end up with at number seven, if they stick to that pick, I really feel like you're going to get a guy that the fan base can get behind and it's going to show a lot of promise. I think the position they draft is going to have a lot to do with that. But I think regardless at number seven, it's stacked with quality and you're going to get a guy with again, we'll see with the new regime, but I think you're going to get a guy that the fans can get behind.
3: Yeah, I I do too. Listen, it's going to be, to me, you, you get a quality defensive player at number seven a guy people can get excited about, especially if it's Devin Witherspoon. Yes, I'm biased. Then I think Raider Nation will be excited about that because they know it's a need and they're getting a guy. It's not a reach, right? We saw John Gruden and and Mike Mayock reach many times and every time they got burned on it. Okay. Jonathan Abram, right. We saw that what happened with there. We saw Cleve Farrell and, and even Colton Miller who's turned out to be a good player was a reach. So I think as long as the Raiders pick, one of the best available talents there at a need position, uh, they'll be fine. So it'll be it'll be exciting. And that's coming up just in a couple of days. Well, we're going to take our last break right now here on Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. When we come back, David and I will close out the show. We'll talk a little hodgepodge. We'll talk a little bit about Mark Davis talking that trash about the Oakland or, uh, excuse me, Las Vegas A's. Coming up right after the break, you're listening to Silver and Black Today, and Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere or I will find you.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
3: Welcome back to the final stretch here on Silver and Black. Today, the Tuesday edition ahead of the NFL draft. Yes, the waiting is over. Yes, get rid of the mock drafts and all the crap, the rumors. Forget about it. Coming up Thursday, the real deal happens in KC. Yes, the draft is in Kansas City at Union Station, a very beautiful building. I used to live there. Uh, Nice spot uh, where maybe the Raiders will pick their next all pro in the first round. You never know. So we'll do that again. A reminder, catch Mo on the bleacher report app on Thursday draft night live starting at five Pacific eight Eastern. He'll be with you on the bleacher report app up until the Raiders pick. I will be on the odyssey live NFL, 2023 draft coverage, which you can catch right on the free odyssey app. I'll be with Baldy. Yes. Brian Baldinger. And Jason La Canfora. you can catch me right around the time the Raiders pick. So if you're listening to the show, uh, tune in around the sixth pick, if they're at seven, that is. And I'll be right with you there to give you my instant reaction and talk with the guys about what the Raiders did in the first round. So make sure you tune into that. That starts, the show starts at four Eastern, seven uh, East, excuse me, four Pacific, seven Eastern and the draft starts an hour later. So they they do a pre-draft. I will be on again at pick number seven. So do that. We're closing out the show now, myself and our producer and our correspondent, David Stepanian joins me. Blah, blah, if I could spit out your name, David, uh, as Mo had to leave a little bit early to do some draft coverage. He'll be back with me on Thursday morning for our special early morning YouTube and podcast for Thursday. So prepare for that as well. All right, David, so we're going to get to the grab bag. First of all, we talked about it on Monday. We finally saw the trade happen. Green Bay Packers trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets. 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 It finally yep. happened. I'm just happy that it's over. I called it the, the the long national nightmare, going back to some Watergate terminology there. But finally, he ends up in New York, and the Jets gave up a pretty penny. The interesting thing about all the compensation – I think too much that they gave up for Aaron Rodgers is the jets are still a very well-equipped team and they have the ability to stay there because they have a young roster, which is the whole point for the Raiders to draft a young defense.
5: Yeah. I think um, when you look at the, this trade, I, I I wonder if it hurt the jets a little bit. If uh, we kind of knew Aaron Rodgers is going to the jets for like a month now. And I kind of wonder if that, incentivized Green Bay to kind of ask for a lot More. because <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah because we kind of already know that this deal is being done and uh that hurt the Jets in the end because they gave quite a lot for a guy who's going to play one maybe two years and that's another condition I saw what if if Rodgers plays some percentage of snaps then the pick they get a first round pick. Yeah. yeah, the pick improves they get a first round pick next year. Uh, I it, it's a, it's a lot for someone Roger's age and especially after missing the playoffs last year. Um yeah, he had back-to-back MVPs in the last few years, but yeah, mm-hmm. Scott, you're right. They they kind of got fleeced on this one.
3: Yeah, and listen, I get it. I think the Jets are obviously a better team with Aaron Rodgers there even at his advanced age, if you will. But the Jets, I don't think it makes... It's not like a trade that instantly makes them a Super Bowl contender. Does it make them a playoff team? Absolutely. Does it make them perhaps make a run in the playoffs? Perhaps. But I think they have some more work to be done there. So we'll have to see what they're able to do. And if this hamstrings them from doing that, then maybe you get your quarterback, but it's just not enough to get you over the hump. But but exciting for Jets fans, at the very least, that they get their guy. All right. We move ahead. We, we, we talked about earlier in the show... This idea that C.J. Stroud may move past seven. We're also hearing about teams perhaps wanting to trade up. New Orleans is now one of those that we're hearing about, uh, maybe wanting to trade up into the draft area where they could get a quarterback if Stroud were to fall, which might benefit the Raiders. They might be able to gleam a bunch of picks from it. But I don't put much stock in this. I think these are uh, teams really jocking, thinking, and trying to see if they can get offers uh, for these spots, uh, even if C.J. Stroud's is not there. If you can convince somebody that he's going to fall and then uh, uh, make a trade earlier and, or at least get your value out of your pick if you want to trade down, that's what I think we're seeing here. I think we're seeing a lot of agent front office activity here. I don't really buy into this idea that he's going to fall or that a bunch of these teams are going to trade up in, in, a, in a quarterback draft class, which is good from from one to two, two maybe three quarterbacks, but past that, not very.
5: Yeah, it's just the nature of the beast, Scott. And it, it, you you kind of just hear all these rumors uh, leading up to the draft. Look, there's every year there's always a, a big surprise that happens early in the draft. It happens every year. And whether that may be – I think it'll be just as surprising if we see four straight QBs in the top four of the draft as it would be to see C.J. Stroud fall out of the top four. Something, Something crazy is going to happen. I don't know if C.J. Stroud – drops out of the top three. But I think it I, we might see a record number of trades depending on how the top few picks of this draft goes.
3: Really? Interesting. It could happen. It could happen. I think we'll see. I mean, we're coming up on a Thursday, so it'll be interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're going to close out the show talking about this because the big news, and we have to talk about it here. Yes, we're not a baseball podcast. We talk about the Las Vegas Raiders football team, but the Las Vegas Raiders were once the Oakland Raiders. Of course, they were L.A. and they were Oakland again before that. But nonetheless, the Oakland A's have, in essence, and Major League Baseball, without yet approving it, kind of tacitly gave approval through their commissioner, as they have all along this process. But it appears now it's pretty much a done deal, except for where they're going to play, because... The A's still need to get funding in the state of Nevada. But David, um, I'll tell you what, Mark Davis, who had a bad relationship with the A's because of the lease at the Oakland Coliseum, came out and ripped the A's uh, and and their plan to move to Las Vegas because of what happened in Oakland. I'm not surprised by it. But again, if these two teams are going to share a city again, it really makes for just some strange bedfellows because the A's... Now, coming in, listen, the ownership group in Oakland is hated by almost everybody, every A's fan, because of what they did. That Yeah, the Moneyball stuff, and they made a movie about it, was successful to a certain degree. But then when they didn't get the stadium they wanted, they started to strip the thing down, and that really hurt the fans up in Oakland. And so now they're going to move to Las Vegas, build a 35,000-seat dome stadium uh, just off the Las Vegas Strip where the Wild West Casino now sits. It's a dump. It's a truck stop where... Uh, ladies of the night, service truck drivers. Trust me, that's what it is, David. You, kn- you know I'm telling the truth here. Mm-hmm. So, so they're going to clean up that area, and you're going to have an amazing sports district continue to be built in Las Vegas. David, were you surprised by Mark? Davis said, "What about what he said and the validity of it?"
5: No, I I wasn't surprised at all because this goes back so long. And I live 10 minutes away from the location where they want to build this stadium. And Wild Wild West is already torn down. It's just a bunch of dirt there now. And Station Mm -hmm. Casinos trying to sell that land for, for a while. But yeah, as soon as uh, the A's kind of had this interest to moving in Vegas, Rob Manfred was all for it. And why wouldn't he be? Uh, they're not drawing a lot of fans in Oakland. But I just think, yeah, the, the whole thing about Mark Davis is um, you know, they, they want taxpayer dollars. The A's want taxpayer dollars and they want $500 million from people like me who live in Vegas and pay taxes here. Uh, this feud between Davis and the A's goes way back, and I think that this whole A's moving to Vegas thing, especially kind of without league approval, there's a lot that could be said about this. And I think at the end of the day, the city of Oakland has has most of the blame yeah. because <clears throat> these teams just want to get out of here. The the Warriors left, the A's left, and the the, Ra- or the A's haven't left yet. The Raiders left, and the A's are about to leave. So I yeah. I think you mostly blame the city and the mayor.
3: Yeah. And you're thinking about uh, the timeline here is the A's would be playing in that new stadium four years from now. So 2027, where they play in the interim.
5: Well, how about this? They, they might move to Summerlin in the next two years. They might play in the Summerlin ballpark because they're averaging less than 10,000 fans in Oakland right now. Yeah. And
3: and they could get uh, 10 uh, or 11 there.
5: They could, they could sell out every all every single one of those seats in Summerlin.
3: Yeah, and I know, too, some of the plans. So if you haven't seen the Aviators Ballpark in Summerlin, which is a, a nice suburb right where near where David lives uh, in, in West Las Vegas, the western side of Las Vegas, um, you you it's a beautiful ballpark. It has a pool in center field you can rent out. What I've now read is that if the A's were to move there for temporarily for a couple of years, they would probably put seat, more seating out there and try to get it closer to 15,000. Uh, As well, which would be about half of what they would have in the new ballpark. So a good plan. Why not? Uh, It'll be hot as heck, of course, but the aviators play in it. So the the A's can do that, too, and just uh, do very few home games when it gets really hot or excuse me, day games when it gets really hot. Uh, But but I'm I'm interested because, you know, I'm a baseball guy, David, but they estimate almost half of the fans that will come see the A's in Las Vegas. Will be from will be tourists, which I don't know that I buy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I buy that. No, for baseball.
5: No, that's I, I, that's absolutely not true. But you wouldn't be able to tell because everyone I know here, I already have a favorite baseball team. Yeah. I mean, you already.
3: They're have. gonna go see their we, favorite team.
5: Nobody and and there's pretty there's no A's fans. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There's no A's fans here. I'm gonna go whenever they play the Yankees. If you lived here, I'm sure you would go see them every once in a while to see because they don't play the Padres. But I'm not. I'm not an A's <sighs> fan. A lot of people who live here, they're they're not going to switch teams for the A's.
3: What's what's but, interesting, and I, I I know we're getting into baseball talk. Yeah, yeah. But what, is that there, there's the idea of radical realignment in the in Major League Baseball? I don't know if you've seen that, David, where they would get a they would get rid of American and National Leagues and align teams geographically. So you could be looking if you if you haven't seen that, go look it up. And and to the listeners out there too, if you're baseball fans, go look it up. Where you would have a division that would have Oakland, San Francisco, San Diego, the two Los Angeles teams, and Seattle. That would be one division in baseball. Or they split it up, I think, maybe into a Pacific division. So very interesting. So the, the, the Padres, the A's, the Dodgers, can you imagine? Now, that I could believe. If you have the Padres, where, where they're going right now, people are on the bandwagon. You have the Dodgers and the Angels and the Giants all playing in Vegas three, maybe four times a year. Yeah, I could see that being a big draw because Vegas is full of Dodger fans, as you know. Anyway, ton of Dodger fans. So,
5: yeah, I think um, it's it's mostly Dodger fans here. I mean, let's be blunt about it, and that's not going to change if the no. A's come here. <clears throat> there were a lot of Raiders fans here already. Uh, yes, so there were that, that that worked out a little differently. And if as a season ticket holder, ninety nine percent, ninety the the visiting crowd issue isn't a big deal for most of the home games. There's just certain no. teams that Some travel games. well. Right. There's just certain teams that travel well. The thing about baseball, though, is, um, like I said, you grow up watching the sport and you grow up having a favorite team. And right. not many people chose the A's as their favorite <laughs> team here in Vegas, especially. You know, yeah. there's more and, Dodgers fans for sure. And I, I, and I
3: and the writing's been on the wall for several years. But but I do feel bad again for the Oakland fans. They lost their football team. Their basketball team moved across uh, the bay to San Francisco, and now their baseball team is going to leave. Uh, it's tough. And so for, for our Bay area listeners, I'm sorry for that. It's, it's, it's bad news. I know it's good for Las Vegas who in the last three years, if you think about it, the Las Vegas, um, five years, NHL, then it gets the NFL, then it's got WNBA, then it's got, um, now it's going to get major league baseball. It's got F one. It's got the final four. It's got the super bowl. It just goes on and on. What's happened in Las Vegas from a sports perspective is unbelievable. And you have to MLS. Yes. You have to credit. You have to credit uh, really the Raiders, the Raiders, that domino fell and it was the biggest one because the NFL is the biggest Mm -hmm. one. So it'll be interesting. Okay, David, now we're not going to talk to you before Thursday. Give me your best guess, your pick. What do the Raiders do in that first round? Do they get a guy at seven, whether it's Devin Witherspoon, whether it's somebody else, or do you think they're going to trade down?
5: Yeah, I think it's not the sexy answer, Scott, but yeah. um, I think I think they I think they stick to number seven. I think Witherspoon goes with the Lions. I think uh, Vegas ends up with Christian Gonzalez, and I think he's a great pick. I think a lot of fans should be happy about Christian Gonzalez if he ends up with the Raiders. I wouldn't be upset at all about that.
3: No, uh, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think as long as they don't reach for somebody and they get the pick, they should get at that point. And I tend to agree with you. I think it's seven. They're going to take one of the cornerbacks uh, unless somebody just gives them so much to move down. But again, I just caution, if the Raiders trade down, they can't trade into the mid-20s. They can trade down into the 10, 11, 12, 13 maybe. But remember, New England needs a lot of defense. If they go past New England, uh, whoever's there, they're going to grab too. So you got to be careful with it. So it'll be fun to watch. But we appreciate you sitting in for Mo.
5: Uh, I'm happy to do this, Scott, especially we got a couple guys. Look, we talked baseball on a football podcast wearing <laughs> we
3: hockey did. gear. Yes, wearing I, hockey I'm gear. So, I'm really happy we were able to do this. Not planned. For those of you watching on YouTube, you know what Dave was talking about. But not planned, but we both are wearing our, our Vegas Golden Knights gear tonight. Yeah. So Show it's one our of those deals. For the
5: playoffs. And I'll be at Game 5 on Thursday night, too. After watching some, pre, some draft coverage, I'll be heading into T-Mobile for Game 5. So go Knights, go. go.
3: It'll be a good sports night for you, David. Thanks, my friend.
5: Thanks, Scott.
3: All right, there you go. There you have it. Again, thank you guys for being with us. We want to thank Matt Holder of Bleacher Report for being us for being with us. Excuse me, and uh, for giving us some insight into the draft on Thursday. Reminder: Our next show will drop Thursday morning. Our little pre-draft. It'll also be available at U- on YouTube at eight AM Pacific as we try to get ahead because you're not going to watch us when the draft's on you're going to listen to us mo will be on the bleacher report app at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific i will be on with baldy and jason lock on the odyssey app or on the odyssey sports youtube page right when the raiders pick so you can listen to my reaction to the pick there as well so make sure you tune in to that for our producer david Stepani, i am scott gobranson we will talk to you guys on thursday take care raider nation